Ebert gets the ball. Hand off again. Edmonds up the middle. He breaks it free. And this is going to be a touchdown. Up the far sideline across midfield. Being tracked down from behind. Cuts to the near side. And he gets away from the last defender. And he's into the end zone. Touchdown. Chase Edmonds, 92 yards. Three receivers wide side right. Third and three from the New Hampshire five. Ebert steps back. He looks right. Throws back right corner. It is caught. Wetzel. Touchdown. Brian Wetzel adds touchdown number 11 of the year. And the Rams strike quick. But one waits to see. So many injuries. What could have been this year? Dan Light. Brett Bistick has been out the last couple of games. Victor DeFusco. Stephen Hodge, the defensive player of the year. Mike Kniebrick missed multiple games to injury. And we welcome you to the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza. It's our final Monday night quarterback of 2014. And, well, a lot of uh, questions as to, as we mentioned, what could have been this year. But Fordham falls in the second round, a phenomenal year by any standard. They finish 11-3, and 6-0 and in the Patriot League. Patriot League champions and into the playoffs for just the fourth time in program history. Glad to have you with us. This is our 14th and final edition with Nick Legerfo. I'm Mike Watts. We'll have John Hooley on later, Fordham's defensive coordinator who did a phenomenal job with his defense this year especially in the run game they really improved and points per game dropped as well we'll also have an inside the huddle segment Ian Williams and Chase Edmonds to join us as well but we begin as we always do with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead coach the end of your third season it's maybe a bitter pill to swallow a couple of days later but how do you feel right now um like you said it's it's a bittersweet feeling right now uh certainly upset about you know, the loss and, uh, you know, bowing out in the second round uh, for the second year in a row, but at the same point reflective and, you know, certainly proud of this team and, and this program and particularly this senior class who have done so many great things for Fordham University, uh, you know, in the football program and our athletic department representing the school, um, you know, and, and getting some things done that have never been done here. So, yeah, it's it's still – it's not – the pain's not gone, but it's dulling a little bit day by day, but certainly uh, nothing to be ashamed of. Coach, obviously it was, a, it was a tall task against New Hampshire, the number one seed overall. But you guys were a confident group heading into this game against New Hampshire. So for you, your mindset heading into this game, what were you thinking, what were you feeling the morning of the game? No, we were feeling great. And uh, we had a great week of preparation, obviously. Uh, you know, thought we put a, a good scheme together in all three phases of the game. Uh, our players were confident. And, um, you know, really, as we talked about early that morning, it was going to come down to margin of error. When you're playing the number one team in the country and the number one seed of overall, you know, you're going to have to do a lot of things right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we couldn't put a complete game together in all three phases. And that, you know, ultimately is my responsibility. And uh, I know it's just unfortunate that we weren't able to, to get over the hump. Oh, Coach, before we get into the specifics of the game, you guys played a very tough schedule down the stretch in that you had Bucknell late in the year, very tough team. You face Army in their triple option, so everybody's getting banged up there. Sacred Heart is extremely physical. That leaves you three games in your last five where it's a full four-quarter effort. It's a full physical contest. How much did that weigh into the fact that New Hampshire had a bye week, Sacred Heart had a bye week, and you guys were out there a bit banged up because you had to keep playing? No, it's it's not an excuse, nor will we ever allow it to be, but it is a bit of a reality. Like you talked about, Bucknell is certainly a very physical team, and you know, a fifth quarter game there, uh, Army with the triple option, um, you know, then right into Sacred Heart with them coming off of a bye, and, and 
you know, UNH, top team in the country coming off a bye. So we were banged up. It was week 14. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys who, who were playing supporting roles had to step into lead roles, and, you know, they did a very admirable job. And, you know, you can go back all the way to preseason camp and with Stephen Hodge and continue to go on down the line. And, you know, that's, you know, winners make commitments, losers make excuses. And I think that's one thing that our guys never did this year. They never panicked. They never flinched. And when the opportunity for a guy who was a uh, backup to step into a starter's role, you know, for the most part, they, they performed like starters and helped us, you know, to another historic season. Well, Mike, it, Mike mentioned it in the uh, the intro there. Some of the players that were out, you mentioned it a little bit just now. Stephen Hodge out for the whole year. Victor DeFusco down the stretch, he's out. Dan Light, Mike Niebrick missed some time. But do you think this is a different game if you have those guys in there, or, or do you guys think that this is just a New Hampshire team that was on a different level right yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, LeVon Williams missed the entire game, and Brett Beastick played one quarter, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, Brett was you know certainly limited, but no, I mean, I, I don't, I want to, I don't want to point to any of those factors because that that would, like I said, that'd be giving ourselves a way out, and that would be giving ourselves an excuse. And you know, we lost three games this year to the number one team in FCS, to a top five team in FCS, and to a one A program, and uh, it's not acceptable. But you know, that's not you know, that's not horrible company if you're going to have three losses. So uh, no, I'm not going to use that. I mean, we played with who we had, and we expected to win with who we had, and. You know, certainly would have helped to have some of those other guys being healthy and, and you know, contributing to the, you know, the, the effort. Yes, it would have, but, you know, it's uh, it was what it was. Well, in the early going of this game, it, it didn't really seem like it was the defense that was struggling at all. It was the offense that failed to protect Mike Niebrick. He got sacked six times in the first quarter, which is shocking in a lot of ways. They only had five sacks against Maine, six in their previous game total so what was going wrong there that that kind of allowed them to get to Michael so quickly so early yeah they uh you know we had a blown protection on the very first play I think it was six of the first nine plays if I'm not mistaken so there were there was a combination combination of errors going on there from some guys trying to do a little bit too much uh playing outside of the scheme uh sometimes we were just getting physically beat up front you know by by a very good defensive line and uh you know sometimes there was uh you know issues with the protection and, you know, some of their blitzes and things like that. So it was a combination of errors, but they, you know, to their credit, you know, Coach McCarty, who's a, you know, a ex-Fordham coach, uh, coaching the defensive line and Coach Lyons, their, their defense coordinator, did a good job attacking our protection, uh, did a good job with matchups, and certainly their defensive line is very big and strong and, you know, was pushing the pocket back into Michael's lap. So, uh, you know, that did play a major role in the game. Now, when they jump ahead of you guys 14 nothing. It's starting to look pretty bad for you guys. It could get away in a hurry. You're playing the best team in the country. What do you tell your guys at that point in the game? No, just keep sawing wood. And then that's what, you know, we, we were struggling on offense, you know, initially and, you know, let a couple plays get out on defense. And, you know, our guys just kept battling back, battling back, battling back. And, you know, the, the thing was, you know, when you look at the game and kind of take a, you know, when we were doing things well on offense and kind of battling back, you know, we struggled a little bit to get a stop defensively. And then, you know, conversely, you know, there were some times in the red zone where we settled for a field goal and, and could have used a touchdown you know, that would have helped us. And, you know, when in the second half there, it was 31-19, and we got a couple good stops defensively. We weren't able to turn those opportunities into touchdowns. So it was just a matter of, you know, not playing a complete game, great complimentary football. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, got beat by a better team. So it was uh, – like I said, margin of error was small, and, and I had to do a better job coaching. And when we put the kids in position to be successful with the calls, uh, we needed to do a better job executing. And like I said, when we win, it's because of the kids. When we lose, it's my fault. So 
my responsibility completely. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo with Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead. We've got defensive coordinator John Hooley coming up later. Ian Williams, Chase Edmonds join us inside the huddle as well. So a, a packed show here. We'll talk more about the season as a whole, but right now talking about Fordham's second-round loss to New Hampshire in New Hampshire. And, you know, it, it seemed like at 14-12 you guys were right back in this football game, but it, it maybe seemed a little eerie similar to last year where you kind of found a way to get back in it near the half and things kind of got away from you. How difficult is it to not be able to get the lead and, and settle at 14-12? Do you think if you got the lead instead of a field goal there that this would be a different game? I think there were two points where we could have potentially changed the momentum of the game. Uh, when we threw the ball to Buck in the corner, uh, and it was a bang-bang play and got broken up, I believe that would have put us ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Maybe that could have changed the momentum of the game. And Once again, this is all speculation. Who knows how the game would have uh, continued to – change from that point and then you know at the one point where it was 35 19 we got a great defensive stop got the ball back and weren't able to drive down and score you know and then they they tagged another one on there you know to make it a uh, you know 14 point or whatever the game was so I think those were really the two the two momentum changers when we didn't get the touchdown had to settle for a field goal and didn't take the lead and then when we had the opportunity to bring it within a five-point game uh, you know move the ball down the field and had to punt so really in terms of momentum those are the two Two points of the game where you look at and say, hey, if we had done this, maybe it would have been different, but, you know, who knows. And and it was particularly in the red zone that you guys had struggles in this game. So what was it about New Hampshire's defense in the red zone that made it so difficult for you guys to get finally punch it in? Yeah, you know, you know, you look at the first one, you know, the ball gets thrown to Brian, and I, I still – you know, the call was the call, but uh, replay seemed to show that the call yeah. on the field was indeed correct at the time, and they they overruled it yeah. later. So we we catch that ball uh, cleanly, and now you have first and goal at the one instead of third and goal at the seven. And uh, you know we don't punch it in there on the third down play. We had a run pass option and got stopped short. So you know that one there. You know, like I said, margin of error, a cleanly thrown ball, a cleanly caught ball, and now you're talking first and goal at the one, and you know hopefully a touchdown at that point, and then. You know, the one to Bucky, you know, ball's thrown a half a second earlier. You know, Buck's able to pull it away from the defender. Now you're talking about field goal instead of a touchdown. So those are the, the small things against a quality opponent like New Hampshire that you really got to, you know, take advantage of to, to uh, you know, give yourself an opportunity to, to pull off the upset. So, Coach, let's move into the second half here while we have a, a chance with you before we kind of move into looking back at the season and, you guys move in. You get that big stop. You got a couple of big stops, a couple of forced fumbles. You get a block punt. Some things are going your way. How frustrating is it to just not convert those, to, to get those in the end zone, something that your team had done so effectively all year coming into this game? Uh, it's incredibly frustrating just because, you know, you you know, you, you understand the, the magnitude of the game and, you know, you see the opportunities slip away one by one and, you know, the clock's running and, it's uh, you know you don't you, you realize you're not going to get another opportunity after you know not capitalizing it capitalizing on some of them there in the second half and you know it was just incredibly frustrating and you know the kids played hard for 60 minutes and it was just a matter of you know we weren't we just weren't able to get it done. And coach, when you look at this performance against New Hampshire, sort of on the grand scheme of things, you see a top program in New Hampshire and you guys see a program that's sort of on the rise. Do you see this as a measuring stick game to see where you could be in the future? No, absolutely. I, I mean, these guys have they've got a formula, they've got a philosophy, they've got a plan, and they've 
unless I'm mistaken, 11 straight trips to the FCS playoffs, mm -hmm. which is a record. And, you know, uh, and that's so, certainly something we aspire to do. I mean, we're on the, the, the infancy of, of that journey, and, you know, we have two in a row. And, you know, that's some of the things when you look at the difference between the Patriot League and, and the CAA is they, they allow red shirts, and they're able to, you know, develop some of their players that way and, and get a fifth year from those guys, which we're not allowed to do in our league, which, you know, I do believe hinders us to a certain extent. But, uh, yeah, certainly, um, you know, Coach McDonald and his staff have done a fantastic job. You know, they made it to the round of eight or four last year. Last year in the yeah, semis, yeah. yeah. In, uh, lost to North Dakota State. And, you know, they're a fantastic program. So if we're a team that can get there 11 years in a row, you know, continue on the, uh, the path that we're heading, it'll certainly, um, you know, bode well for the future of Florida football. We'll certainly be talking about the New Hampshire game a little bit more with John Hooley in a few minutes, and we'll have a couple of the players on too. Let's move on to a, a larger season review because – while the final game wasn't so rosy, the overall season w was very strong. 11-3, and three, perfect in the Patriot League. You set a record for most points scored in the Patriot League in history. Your freshman running back sets a Patriot League record for most total offense produced in a season. A lot of things went well for this group. How do you characterize this season in the grand scheme of things, e even with this loss in mind? No, I, th I think this season was a resounding success. And like I said, the three teams that we lost to, um, you know, we're very good football teams, a 1A team, a, a top-ranked team, and a top-five team. So, you know, certainly only one team is going to end the season happy, <laughs> and that's a team that wins the national championship. But in terms of achieve, achieving our preseason goals, you know, we achieved every single one but the national championship. And, uh, you know, we, these, these seniors have, have redefined what Fordham football means uh, and have set the bar for every team to follow, um, you know, Patriot League champions, uh, players of the year, rookies of the year, all-conference players, both cups. Um, you know, all the things that we want to do as a program, we accomplished except for winning a national championship. And, you know, there's uh, there's only going to be one of those guys. So, in a lot of ways, you know, some may say we overachieved this year. It was, it was a lot different than last year. But considering the people we had out and the adversity that we had to battle, you know, week in and week out, having your starting quarterback out for a three-week stretch when you need to win the league, uh, having your defensive player of the year out for the entire season and, and a myriad of other, you know, injuries and, and things like that. You know, uh, you know, certainly you want to go undefeated, but, um, you know, these kids don't have anything to hang their head about. Well, when you look back at this senior class and all the things that they've been able to accomplish, what do you think their overall legacy in Fordham football is going to be? Uh, I think their two-year stretch, you know, is really the standard. I, I think you look back through the years, and obviously I can't speak for the, you know, years that prior to the program being dropped when it was on par with all the 1A programs, but you're talking about, you know, 23 wins in two years, a win over an FBS program, multiple wins over, over ranked programs, uh, playoff wins, you know, players of the year, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I, like I said, this this will be the standard for, for – you know, every team that follows to be compared to, and that, that's something they certainly should be proud of. It's not hard to look back and see all the positives of this season, but at this point, a team's already beginning to recruit a bit. You're already starting into the off season, so it's time to ask maybe some of the tougher questions that come with moving into next year. You lose sure. a lot of starters, a lot of seniors. With that in mind, do you believe that there's a lot of guys on this team who can step up and be the next starter? Do you think that this recruiting class – Given that you guys are able to recruit a higher level of athlete simply because of all the success that you've had, that they may end up holding the keys to, to the next generation of Fordham football. I think it'll be a combination. And, uh, you know, we had a team meeting on Sunday with all the returning guys. You know, and the juniors moved up to the front of the room and so on and so forth and, you know, let them know that, you know, great teams and great programs don't rebuild, they reload. 
And, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of big personalities and very good players in this year's senior class, and they're moving on, and it's going to be time for some of these guys to step into a leadership role. And, you know, it so, certainly won't be for a lack of talent. You know, it'll be more or less, you know, what we're fighting is a lack of experience. And, and you look at all the positions, and we're going to have guys there, uh, maybe not necessarily the depth, but, you know, across the board, we're going to have talented guys, and we're going to supplement them with, with the incoming recruiting class, and there'll be great battles for jobs. And, you know, as they were told, uh, the goals don't change. The goals remain the same. Uh, the expectation level remains the same. And, you know, when they walked out of the meeting room, the 2000 football, 2015 season began. And, you know, we didn't need to forge our identity because there's certainly going to be a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, are going to think it's a real challenge considering the people we lost. But, you know, I think our guys will be up to it. So how do you go about attacking and, and finding the next recruiting class how does your day-to-day operations sort of change now that you guys are in the off-season as opposed to being in, in the heat of the season? Uh, we can't speak about uh, kids specifically by name, but, I mean, we have 22 commitments already for, for this upcoming class, and we only have anywhere from one to three spots that we're looking to fill. So, you know, right now it's about going out and, you know, seeing the guys that we have committed and making sure everything's taken care of with, with those guys and, you know, finishing up with, with these last one to three spots based on, you know, some moving parts and, uh, you know, get through signing day and, and go from there. A couple more questions with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead, and then it's on to defensive coordinator John Hooley to discuss his unit's great work this season. But, uh, Coach, when you think about your quarterback situation, Mike Niebrick posting an Instagram picture earlier, uh, starting with for the final time. So with him, do you believe he's uh, at this point going to move on? And if so, where do you think his next step is? Does he have – any aspirations of a professional career doing this, or is it time for him to, to move on? No, I, I, I'm, you know, Michael's playing, college playing days are over, uh, you know, to the, to, to the best of my knowledge and to the best of his knowledge. You would knowledge. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, Michael, uh, you know, from the feedback we've gotten from, from, from the scouts that have been through, and there's been a lot of them, you know, you know he, he's going to have an opportunity, I believe, and, you know, what he makes of that opportunity is completely up to him. So, uh, you know, maybe you can have him on in the segment, you know, so, some point in the future and talk to him about that because there's, there's going to be a number of guys who are going to get an opportunity and that might be something to, you know, discuss with them. But, uh, you know, I know Michael has aspirations to what extent and to, you know, how much he wants to pursue it. You know, that's something that's up to him. But there certainly has been interest in him, uh, you know, as a player moving on to the next level. Well, and he's got Monday night class, which is why he's not here. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have had Mike on at least five times this year. But Literally Monday night quarterback. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh it, Someone else needs to fill in as the Monday night quarterback. It can be you. But you're one of the top five statistical passers in Fordham's history. You are. Oh, really? Give or take. It depends where you rank things. That's a good round number. I'm going to give you top five. I like it. And even if you're number five, it's five still counts. Um, Is Mike Niebrick, in your mind, without doubt, the the best passer in Fordham's history? Um, I wasn't. Privy to seeing, you know, John Skeleton and Kevin Eakin and some of those guys, Dick Doheny, Gary Brennan, some of those guys that you see kind of dot the uh, – those smell good. Dot the um, – uh, Those are yeah. uh, boneless chicken wings for those who can't yeah, hear no uh, or see yeah. or smell. It's not a visual food. on the radio. But, no. you know, the, cert- the numbers would certainly bear that out. And, you know, when you look at single-season records and completion percentage and yards and touchdowns and all those things, uh, players of the year, All-American, all those things, uh, you, know, I, you know, obviously I'm biased <laughs> – you know, towards Michael because I've coached and I've seen him play and I've known him since he's, you know, been a junior in high school. But I think it would be hard to argue that he's not. Uh, in my mind, he is. 
Well, Coach, you've had a couple of days to think <laughs> about this now. The New Hampshire lost somewhat in the rearview mirror now. No, not much, but what, what are, there, yeah. What are your overall thoughts on, on this season for you? No, just, like I said, very excited, very proud of our kids in the senior class. Uh, you know, the way that they've stuck together over the past three years and, you know, continually, uh, you know, worked to build this program up into a top ten team in the country and, uh, you know, one that this school and, and this community and New York City can be proud of. Um, it's it's something that these guys will, will take for the rest of their lives and, and know that they've, uh, you know, created a new standard for Florida University football. And, Coach, finally, and, and obviously not an easy question to answer, last year you were given a contract extension commensurate with winning the Patriot League championship had you been eligible, a, a co-champion you would have been, making the playoffs and, and having a 12-2 and record. This year you don't win Patriot League Coach of the Year, but you win the Patriot League. I think you'd rather have that instead anyways. Uh, there, there was a SI.com article that came out couple of weeks ago that indicated you had interviewed for the buffalo job which was while the season was still going on do you have any idea what your future might entail in terms of teams that may come asking and what do you say to your players or to fans who wonder what your future might be because anyone with a brain can see you've got a very bright one whether it's at fordham or elsewhere no i think it's a, it's a very legitimate question and you know, one that bears answering on my part. And, you know, you go back to last year and, you know, there was a, a 1A school that, you know, was interested and I had an opportunity to go to the final interview and, you know, turn it down because it wasn't right. The situation here at Fordham was better and there were there were circumstances that, you know, didn't make it the right move at that time. And, uh, you know, had the opportunity at Buffalo, um, you know, and and once again, it was a great opportunity and, and, and you know, um, you know, they're great people there, but for the same reason, the opportunity there that they had presented for a number of circumstances, just it just wasn't right. And uh, I'm very happy at Fordham. Uh, I I get well, get along well with the administration, the people I work for. I, I love my job here. I, I love the kids. I love the program. I love the school and all those things. And when when opportunities present themselves, um, you know, you, you just have to consider them on a, on an individual basis. So. Uh, I'm happy here. Uh, I love it at Fordham, uh, but by the same token, when opportunities present opportunities present themselves, you, you've got to consider them and you know do what's best for you and, and, and your family, and you know know that uh, you know that, that there, there's a time and a place for everything, and not a Buffalo or the other one was the time or the place. So you know, that's as honest as I can answer it. All right. Well, and coach, uh, for really all the seniors who've gotten the chance to work with you for the last three years, Nick, myself, our sideline reporters, DJ, Kenny, everybody. I just want to thank you so much for all the work you've done, not only with this show, but uh, spending time with us diagramming plays on your whiteboard for people who probably don't understand it and, and all the things that you've done. We do appreciate it, and, and thank you sincerely for that. No, I thank you guys. You guys have done a phenomenal job. You've got bright futures ahead, and uh, you, know, you guys have been real professionals and um, you know, have done a great job you know, representing FUV and, and yourselves. And you know, I just really, you know, really appreciate you know, the – the professional coverage that you've given our team because, uh, like I said, our kids really, you know, they, um, they, they, they deserve it. The man, the myth, the legend, third-year Fordham head coach, Joe Moorhead, thank you so much, and we'll have you on next season. All right, fellas, sounds good. That's Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead. We're going to go with X's and O's next with Coach John Hooley in just a moment. And, uh, Nick, when we look at this Fordham defense, the run defense improved by 25 yards a game. The scoring defense was down compared to last year. This was a good year despite all the injuries that John Hooley and his staff had to work through, and they did it very well, didn't they? Yeah, they really did, and, and it, against some tough opponents, you look at the Villanova game, 
sort of a down spot for this defense, but they bounced back pretty nicely and put it put together a solid year defensively for this uh, Fordham Rams. Yeah, and when we say down 25 yards rushing, they had to face the leading rusher in the country, Kahari Di- uh, uh, Dixon, I believe was uh, St. Francis' yeah. uh, running back's name, triple option. They, they really had to face the gauntlet this year, but you came on here after the Villanova game, Coach Uli, and, and you said our run defense will get better. And you absolutely put that to work on the field. When you look at what your group's been able to do this year, uh, what's your main takeaway from what this group was able to put together? Well, I think this group uh, came together as a group. You know, a, a saying that we used probably the whole year was being a closed fist, and I think we did a good job uh, of sticking together regardless of what the, search, the uh, circumstances may be. Obviously, whether it was injuries early in the preseason or injuries during the course of the year, things that might have happened throughout the course of the year. Um, and I think we've battled back and we've developed a lot of our skill and uh, obviously had a su- successful defense of uh, year. I think, I think one thing that, that shows what this group was really all about was, you know, after, obviously after Villanova, uh, we, we didn't play well, and, you know, as a whole team, but particularly as a defensive unit. And uh, to start the Rhode Island game, you know, it seems like a long time ago, but one of the things I think that dictated how we were going to be as a defense the rest of the year is, uh, you know, the first play of the game, Michael ended up throwing an interception, and on the second play of the game, we had a, a confused signal, and they caught a, a wheel route that got down to the one-yard line, and we had a, a four-play goal-line stance where we stopped them on fourth down, and I think that really showed the character of what our group was going to be, the toughness they were going to play with, and really set a tone for how this defense was going to be the rest of the season, and I think they lived up to it for the most part for the rest of the year. Can you point to a particular player or, or even a unit on the defense that really helped you solidify that run defense, or, or was it just the whole unit as a whole? Well, I think it was completely the whole unit as a whole because you got to play with um, technique and reckless abandon. You know, I always always joke to uh, Ian and some of the other guys that really uh, they're just the way outside linebackers and the safeties were the deep linebackers. And, you know, I mean, I, everybody has to have a, a big part of the run uh, to be successful. But I think our D-line definitely improved as the year went on. And I think at linebacker, you know, which is most involved in the run, we did a good job and guys stepped up and improved and, you know, fit things correctly and we did a good job. You take the Fordham job as defensive coordinator and you, you probably look at the personnel and you go, wow, Patriot League Defensive Player of the Year is coming back. We've got DeFusco coming back at middle linebacker, so there's still some experience there even with a graduate. You've got 10 seniors back there. And then the injuries start. Everyone kind of got banged up as this year went along. Jordan Chapman misses the end of the last game. Brett Bistick missed the last two games or so. Uh, Victor DeFusco missed the last five games or so. Really, everyone ended up getting hurt back there. What changes did you guys have to make maybe as the year went along to try and keep up the standard you guys had set when everyone was healthy at the start of the year and you had been able to kind of get things rolling? Well, I think we had to play to particular player strengths of whoever may have been stepping in um, and do things schematically that might, um, you know, help their strengths become, you know, strengths during the course of the game. Uh, I also think just as a, as a group and a coaching staff and a players, uh, I think since spring ball, they really bought into the next man mentality, next man in mentality that Coach Moorhead has. And, uh, you know, nobody really uh, took their role for granted. And I think from the guys that were on scout team, the guys that were starters, they prepared every single game like they were going to be a starter. So when it was their opportunity, they came in and they were playing as well as they possibly could be, whether it was, you know, J.Q. Bowers, <clears throat> you know, coming in for LeVon Williams or Marcus Fulmar for Jordan Chapman or Justin Vaughn for Brett Bistick and 
you know, the list goes on and on. Denard Pinkney, George Dawson, all those guys that, that were able to step in. Um, you know, obviously we had to look to see what was going to be best, and it really was a game-to-game situational, you know, uh, game-to-game basis. You know, and we were lucky that we had enough good players, quite frankly, to be good because there's no magic potion. I mean, you know, George Dawson was a good player. If he, Stephen Hodges didn't get hurt, he still would have been a good player, just wouldn't have played as much, you know. So we were, we were very fortunate to have other good players there. So. Well, let's move ahead to this uh, New Hampshire matchup that you yep. guys had because all things considered, the defense played a great first half to allow only 14 points to, to the um, New Hampshire, one of the best offenses in the country. That, I mean, that's pretty great. So, but you had, you had a big task in containing R.J. Harris. He's yep. one of the best wide receivers in the country, probably one of the best you guys have seen yep. all year long. So heading into this game, what was your game plan to slow down this offense? Well, uh, obviously, stop the, the stop stopping him. He, you know, you, Coach Moore had always has a saying that uh, he he had gotten from other coaches that he worked with is don't let the game records wreck the game. So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had certain coverages if we needed help to double team him, make sure that he wouldn't get the ball, especially in critical situations, um, third down, red zone. You know, we had ways to make sure when we knew he was going to be the primary target to double team him, and quite frankly. You know, make sure that, you know, Ian was really playing well the past couple games and, and put him on him on him. And when he was on him, quite frankly, he only caught like one ball on him. Um, you know, there's other situations where they might have schemed that he was on other guys, on you know, on our defense, and he made some great plays because he's a great player. But for the most part, it was, you know, help help Ian when, when you know, we know we, he was going to get the ball. Um, but really, you know, our big-time players stepped up in that situation. That was how we were able to contain him. You know, obviously, the one thing we wanted to do a better job is, is, is contain the quarterback scrambling and uh, stop the run game. And those were things we struggled a little bit. You know, they had a good offensive line. And, uh, you know, during the game, I thought maybe we were rushing by the passer a little bit, going too much upfield. But when you watch the film, it was realistically we just couldn't – we didn't get off the blocks. And I think it – I think fatigue was part of it. But I also think is they have good players. I mean, the quarterback was a good athlete, and uh, you know we, we we had opportunities to sack him. We were this close to doing it, and it went from you know a minus ten yard play for us to a first down or even a zero. You know, and and uh, against a team like that, when you have opportunities to get them behind the chains, that's what you're gonna you want to do. And and we weren't able to do that on a consistent enough basis, and, and unfortunately, you know, negative results followed. Yeah, Mike Watts with Nick Legerfo, and we've got defensive coordinator John Hooley with us on Monday Night Quarterback as we review the season. And, you know, it seemed like during the broadcast I was saying a lot, this is the worst field position today for New Hampshire because they started, I think, their first drive in Fordham territory. The next drive they were a couple yards behind that, just behind midfield. And the the worst starting position they may have had all day was the 25-yard line, which is phenomenal. How tough is it to – you kind of had to play back on your heels a little bit because – you were put in situations where you had a short field to defend. Yeah, no, that that obviously field position is a huge part of the game. Um, you know, it, unfortunately, you know, and some of the things, I don't want to look at it as an excuse. In the first play of the game, they scored a 57-yard touchdown. It might have been a touchdown from anywhere on the field, and we didn't do a good job. Honestly, the one play that they ran was something I had wrote down in a notebook to, to show my guys before the game, and, and I did not show it to them. And it just that that so that I put that on myself as much as anything. But uh, you know, um, you know, the field positions—it's a factor. Um, obviously, it allows them to be more aggressive because they don't have as much to lose. You know, they're going to be more aggressive and try to take shots and take trick plays. And you know, when you're backed up in your own territory, you don't want to lose the ball, and you're not going to throw a toss pass up to R.J. Harris, which they did. You know, and. 
uh, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you know, we, we needed to play better and we didn't, you know. Well, you, you mentioned a little bit that you thought fatigue was a factor, and you guys were probably out there for a good majority of this game. So how difficult is that for a defensive unit to be out there as long as you guys were? I think that's where the, the injuries and the guys being dinged up probably hurts you the most because, um, you know, you're when you're playing with backups as starters or guys that are next man in, you know, they're like George Dawson's capable of being a starter as he proved this year. But you know, when you keep when if he's hurt, the next guy might not be quite ready to go in yet, and you don't have enough guys to give people uh, substitutions, and that's where it wears on you just a little a little bit in the through the course of a game, and and, and just the the physicality of of the games that we played at the end of the year it wore down wore us down a little bit. Um, but again, there's it's not really. No excuses. We, we, we still probably could have made the plays, and I think the kids would say that, and I know our coaches staff would say that. You know, When you go into the second half, you guys got a key three and out. Yep. You, you gave the ball to the offense. You had two key forced turnovers in this game, a couple of fumbles. The, the special teams came up with a block punt too, and I sort of directed this question to Coach Moorhead, but is it frustrating to kind of end up getting thrown back onto the field rather quickly time and time again? The offense got behind the sticks and failed to convert and – it, it, it kind of goes back to the time of possession question Nick just asked, but to, to get those big stops and not to be able to take advantage and be right back on the field, how frustrating is that for you and your team to stay healthy and, and stay in it? Well, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely frustrating because the objective is trying to win the game. But the same token, I kind of look at like, you know, our offense might have struggled the first two series and we let up two touchdowns when we needed to stop them. And like Coach had just said, it was you need to be complimentary and uh, – you know, if they're not playing well, we needed to be playing well at that time and, and vice versa. And that just didn't click, unfortunately, in this game. And, you know, so that's probably the the most disappointed. You know, it's it's we made some key stops and we definitely did a great job. The kids battled back, you know, um, Denard and, and Jordan made great turnovers and we were able to stop them at three and outs. And, um, but we wish we could have done it maybe sooner so we weren't in those situations. And, you know, uh, it, Against a team that's that's very good, you know, the, the margin is, is paper thin, as Coach talked about, you know. Well, I asked Coach Moorhead this question, but I'll throw it to you from the defensive perspective because it seemed like a lot of your guys were not on the field, so it more applies to you. Do you think this is a different game if you have those guys, Victor DeFusco, Hodge, you have all these guys in this game? Do you think you guys have a better chance with those players in there? I mean – yeah, we definitely would have a better chance. I don't know if it was the the difference, but if you have more guys that are are good players, it's going to help you. You know, it's it wouldn't. I know this. It wouldn't have hurt us if we had Victor and Steven and Brett healthy. Um, it wouldn't have hurt us. I don't know if it would have been the difference of the game. Um, you know, quite frankly, because uh, you know we lost by such a large margin. You know, but it, it could have been at the same time. But you know, again, there, there's no there's no excuses to anything, and you know. Well, it, it's time to maybe look forward. we got a couple of questions sure. left with Fordham defensive coordinator John Hooley. And, uh, Coach, I do want to ask you, because I, I mentioned it early, a lot of guys are leaving, a lot of seniors. I mentioned it to Coach Moorhead. When you look at your defense, who are guys you think can step up and be leaders next year? They're guys that you think will be coming back, whether they be Stephen Hodge. Could he make a return for another year? Would DeFusco be eligible to come back another year? A lot of those questions to be asked maybe during the offseason, but who could step in and, and be a key contributor next year that maybe we expect and maybe we, maybe we don't expect? Well, obviously, Steven returning will be a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a leader this year and he'll be a leader, obviously, next year. And he's one of the best players in the country. And that, that will be 
a big, um, you know, addition. Um, but of the guys that really are returning, you know, I think guys are going to go from, you know, uh, side roles to starring roles, and, and guys' leadership qualities will really be, uh, you know, magnified next year. Guys like George Dawson, uh, guys like Justin Vaughn, Marlon Crook, um, guys that were role players this year that have the ability to be feature players, um, you know, will have to step up as leaders for their position groups because they provide energy. The kids like them. Those are guys that I think that can really help us. Um, you know, and obviously the guys that are playing at corner, you know, the Marcus Fulmers and the Lorenzo Smiths, they have to step up because we're losing two very, very good corners and we're losing good people at all positions. And all the guys that are there, uh, they're going to have to step up. Um, in one way, shape, or form. And, and it's not just them. It's the guys that might have been on the scout team that might not play, and they might have to become backups. And, and everybody's got to help as one close fist, and we need to become a better unit. Um, and everybody's got to be at their best. As coaches, you know, myself, Coach Carey, uh, and the rest of the defensive staff, we need to look at what we're doing and continually improve so that we're better for them and uh, put them in even better situations than we did this year. And uh, I think that's how we can become a very good defensive unit this year because I think we have the capability of being very good next year. We have some guys that you know, didn't play this year that will be coming back or guys that were injured for most of the year that are coming back. David Barletta, Alex Washington, Manny Adier, you know, guys like that um, that are going to help us. And then obviously we have a large freshman com- class coming in. And when you, know, you have uh, you know, 60 kids in scholarship, we're having 22 ki- freshmen that are scholarship kids coming in half of them being on defense, obviously guys like that are going to play, you know. Whether they're starters, they'll decide that, but they're going to play in some capacity just to help us, you know. And we had some freshmen, obviously, Nico Thorpe and Caleb Ham, guys like that that played this year. Um, You know, some other freshmen that were injured last year and had to redshirt that will come back um, this year and can can really help us, you know. They're going to need to. Everyone's going to have to step up, and we're looking to make everybody be the best they can be so that we can be the best we can be. Well, I've asked Coach Moorhead this question. Uh, you guys had a couple of days to reflect on, on your game against New Hampshire, but not only that, but the season as a whole. So for you, what are your final thoughts on, on how your defense played this season and, and how the team did it as a whole? Uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud of the way that our, our team played, our coaches coached, and, uh, you know, our, our particular defensive unit. Uh, you know, we always could be better, um, but – you know, I, I thought they did a phenomenal. We did a phenomenal job. You know, we've let. You know, we've improved uh, in a lot of statistical areas. We finished, I think, as the number two defense in the Patriot League in total yards, in the top. I know in the top twenty, like nine, twenty-eight, twenty-seven, something like that, in total defense in all of FCS. And uh, you know, I, I think these guys fought. They competed, and we and we improved in the areas we needed to improve to help us become a better team. We went undefeated in the Patriot League. We won a Patriot your your conference championship. Um, you know, we we won, however, nine or ten games in a row during the course of the regular season. I mean, it, it was a phenomenal feeling. Anytime you win double digits in football, you're doing a lot of special things. And as disappointing as it was, because I was expecting uh, wholeheartedly to be playing this week and continue to be playing, anytime you win that many games, it's a rewarding feeling, and, and, and it's it's quite frankly be silly to look at it any other way. <laughs> you know, I mean. Uh, to win, to win 11 games in a football season, no matter where you are, uh, is very difficult. And, and these kids have shown so much character, so much resolve, especially this senior class. You know, I wasn't here, obviously. I was only here for one year coaching these guys, but I recruited a couple of them. Um, you know, I had talked to you last time I was here, knowing Jordan Chapman since he was young. I was here when Ian Williams was getting recruited here, when you know, I recruited Brett Bistick. Um, you know, 
I've seen these guys, and I followed it because I was friends with Coach Morehead since the past three years. I've watched every game that I could when I wasn't here. Uh, so I have a special bond for these kids. And to see them go from being 1-10 to two years in a row, 23 wins, 23-5, and five, I believe it is, um, it, it's remarkable. I mean, to go from one of the worst – you know, uh, programs in the country to being a, top, a perennial top 10, top 15 program two years in a row and building a foundation that's going to keep growing and growing and growing and get stronger. I mean, it's 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 really a testament to these kids, the coach Moorhead, all the things that he believes in and the rest of our coaching staff. And uh, I couldn't be more excited and more proud. You know, I mean, you know, my wife had texted me that on the way home. You know, she goes, I know you're going to be depressed about the game uh, and the way that it came, but you got to look at the bright side of how many opportunities you're going to get to win this many games and how rewarding of a season it is. And hopefully we'll have a lot of opportunities to win this many games as long as, you know, I'm here and we're doing things. Be, I think we'll have a chance to. They play with a lot of moxie, and they do it because of their, their defensive coordinator. Yeah. John Hooley, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. You guys do a great job, and I appreciate you. Thank All you. right. Thank you thank so you. much, Coach. And uh, we'll hopefully have you around uh, next year to talk with hopefully a little more. Hopefully we can have you after some uh, – some, some. I know, some good games. That's what I kept I – kept, I was joking today. I said, oh, they'll probably call me on. And you guys did. Here we are. <laughs> thank you, Coach. Hey, I want them next time after we stop a team to like six or zero. Yes, so sir. Some the good things. You can count on it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's Fordham defensive coordinator John Hooley. His first season, a very successful one, and he's one of the key pieces on this coaching staff moving forward. It'll be exciting to watch how his group continues to progress. We're going to have two players on here in just a moment, Ian Williams and Chase Edmonds. Phenomenal years for both of them. They're both record breakers for Chase Edmonds. That means setting the Patriot League record for most total offense or most total yards. And for Ian Williams, it's the Fordham career games played record and one of the best corners in Fordham's illustrious history. Nick, both these guys have very bright futures on and off the field because as good as they are on the field, it seems like they're even better off. Yeah, that's exactly right, and uh, we're fortunate enough to have both of them on here together as we had uh, not too long ago, so it's it's going to be good to have these guys on. No, this is not our first rodeo with either of you guys no, at this stage. Not. Guys, thanks for uh, stopping by, and uh, this is a tough thing to do coming in after a loss, but uh, take me through the emotion of, of being on the field after that game, riding the buses back. For you, you were in a, a meeting with all the other remaining players on Sunday and for Ian your time with with Fordham football is over so different feelings certainly but but Ian we'll begin with you take me through the emotions that you've been through these last few days uh it's a better feeling man uh, I'm gonna miss these boys for real I ain't really even want to come today because I knew I was gonna kind of break down a little bit but it is what it is man I I wouldn't take nothing back and uh I mean I'm, I'm grateful for every experience I had Chase? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I was just telling Elo, it was, you know, having that meeting after that after that game. Usually, we'll go down, we'll break the game down, we'll see how many explosions we had, or you know, how the teams matched up stat wise. And you know, just to come in there, you don't see that on the screen. You don't see the 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 schedule for Sunday's practice on the screen. You know, you ain't got the the guys you looked up to, Elo in the room. You ain't got Jake Dixon in the room. You ain't got Brian Wessel. You don't got Sam Ajala. You know. And it was just—it was a shocker for me because you know, to be honest, I was—I was real close to the seniors. Uh, I looked up to them. I tried to model their leadership and their role. So it was just, to me, it was just a, a real shocker, like that this really just happened. You know, we really just lost this game, and that's the last time I ever go in the field with them boys. Well, for you, Chase, uh, you had a heck of a game. 
on the ground. And, and what do you think the biggest challenges for you coming into this game were, were going to be? And then how did you battle through them? Well, uh, you know, when you go up against the number one team in the country, you know it's not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, I prepared myself for that. And But I also felt like we could run the football very successfully on the New Hampshire, you know. And I felt like we could kind of carry the offense a little bit. But, you know, when we uh, we get two, three and outs and then we go down early, it's kind of hard to maintain a run, a run style game because then you got to kind of pass the ball, you know, to play catch up. So that was one thing that I feel like we didn't do very well. You know, I was trying to just – see if we can manage the game with our run ability because if we can control the tempo of the game like how we usually do when we win, it would have been a better result. And, Ian, I want to go back to you because you're, at this point, it's very obvious how emotional you still are about this and, and not to maybe go too far here, but I do kind of wonder, you know, you came here five years ago, you've played more games than anybody in a Fordham uniform, and you, I can just see the emotion on your face of what this all means. With, with that in mind, did, could you imagine five years ago when, when you first arrived here that you would feel so strongly in a moment like this? No, nah, not at all. Uh, I mean, it's just the bond that you, like, grow. You, like, begin to have with everybody, you know what I'm saying? Especially, like, I was a fifth-year senior, so, like, I seen, like, this senior class when they were freshmen, when they first came in, and you could just see, like, how, I guess you could say, everybody grew, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Even though I was still young at the time, it's just – it's awesome to see how people grow, you feel me? So, And just to know, like, the bond that I did, like, have with these guys, man, it's something that you could cherish for the rest of your life, you feel me? Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and I, I guess when you, that, that is an odd situation because everyone talks about the senior class, and, and technically you're part of it, but yeah. you're not. You were part of last year's senior class, right. too. When you came here as a soft, uh, when you came back as a sophomore, did you think those freshmen would would help you put together this kind of a run? Did you feel that this would come? Uh, af- after after our season, we went one to ten. Uh, we lost to Colgate. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, we was on the field. It was the last play of the game. Um, DeAndre Slate told me, "Bro, we're gonna turn this whole program around." And I told him this year when we did face Colgate, those same words, and he remembered them. So. I mean, just to, like, totally flip the program around and make this a successful program, he kept his word, we kept our word, and I know Chase and them boys, they're going to do the same thing. You feel me? So it's, it's awesome. Well, Chase, looking back at what, what you guys were able to accomplish this year, you get your first taste of playoff football this season, the Sacred Heart, and then against New Hampshire. And in New Hampshire, you see a top program in the country. So do you see them as a benchmark for something that you guys can strive for as a program here at Fordham? Absolutely, and uh, the goal is to you know strive for even more. Uh, you just gotta work hard. You gotta work the hardest. To be honest, you know, it's not enough to say, "Oh, what's New Hampshire doing?" Or you gotta look at the teams like North Dakota State. How does how does North Dakota St- State maintain so much success? How do you win three national championships in a row? And it's just you know you can't have a, a content. That's the worst part with humans. You you get content with yourself once you start doing good. And we can't have that here. You know, you, you want to set a mentality of you're always hungry, you always want more. So I feel like, you know, we're going to be very young next year. But if we have that mentality of hunger and not to be content, then you can do anything. The sky's the limit. And, Ian, I guess when, when you look back on this season and, and overall your career as a, as a Fordham Ram, what are some of the biggest highlights that you're going to take away with you as you, as you go along here? I don't know. Uh I liked – I mean, I love every moment, man, especially this year. I, uh, I interned under Mr. Vitale this year, and uh, one thing he told me was that your senior year, you got to enjoy it all. You know what I'm saying? And 
I feel like I did enjoy it last year a lot, you know what I'm saying? But I guess there was always that factor like, oh, you coming back for another year, you know what I'm saying? And this year, it's just like I try to tell myself, like, enjoy every moment, you know, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I feel like I did a great job at doing that. And just, I don't know, man, I felt closer to this team than I've ever felt closer to any team I played on, you know what I'm saying? Just because I know everything that we went through, you know what I'm saying, together and what it took to get where we went. So, I mean, I feel like this whole year was a highlight for me. Guys, a couple more questions while we have you on our final Monday night quarterback of the year. And uh, this is a question that's maybe a bit different, but but in the same vein. Ian, you saw Chase come in, and there, there were a lot of questions at the running back position. CJ had moved on, and, you know, th- this freshman comes in. At what point did you know he was going to have – that, that he was ready for this level, that, that he could take this level on to the point where he'd set Patriot League records, Fordham records, and, and be in the running for National Freshman of the Year? The day he texted me saying, hey, bro – I want your number because I, I don't want to just be another player on this team. I want to be the best. That's what I knew. Yeah, well, he, he succeeded in that now, didn't he? Yeah, uh, certainly. <laughs> at what point did you know Ian was going to be a guy? You said you got close with these seniors very quickly. When did you know Ian was going to be a guy that you could look look up to, to rely on, and, uh, and a guy who was at this level of play that he was one of the best cornerbacks in, in FCS this year? Yeah, um, like you said, that that specific day. But uh, it was another day when uh, I took my unofficial here. I don't even know if Elo remembers yeah, this. It was, of course. It was it the summer. I think it was the mm-hmm. summer. Me and yeah. my dad, my mom came down here, and I think he. It was him, Tapio. Yeah. Was it just y'all two? Or was it small? It, it was me, Tapia, you, your family, and then yeah. uh, we had a host that took us. Yeah, to dinner. and you know we had a dinner and we were just discussing about the the football life and all that. And you know it was just Elo was such a great guy, man. And my dad told me you know that's that's somebody you want to be around because he has a great character he works hard on the football field he's, he's a great role model so when I stepped foot on this campus you know I made sure I found Elo and I texted him and I just said you know this is my mission like I want to I want to contribute to this football team any way possible so that's well, how it really started now it's your job to go with recruits and tell them what this program can yeah. do <laughs> uh, guys one more question for you because this has been bothering me all year you guys are back on kick returns almost all the time together <laughs> why do they keep kicking to chick I, I don't get it is there a reason they typically kick to him are they scared of you do they no, are they nah, testing they, you what <laughs> I, I don't not, get they're it not, they're not scared of me I, ain't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why they, <laughs> I don't know why they would be scared of me I, I, don't, I don't get this I was you know what I'm saying like I, I was saying the same thing you feel me I was like hey I'm, I'm back here you know what I'm saying like like, Chase the dog on took, like, a couple of kick returns to the house already that unfortunately got called back. I don't know why they would keep, keep kicking to him, but. Um, but I, uh, I think, actually, it, uh, it speaks volumes to Coach Lusky. You know, he doesn't get a lot of credit. He does a great job of preparing the special teams for every week, and uh, he does a great job of scouting other opponents and knowing where they're going to kick the ball and, like, depending on where they line up on the hash or in the middle of the field where the ball will go. So he just does a great job of lining us up, and then he draws up his scheme for whatever play we want to run on the kickoff return. And, and finally, I, I ask both of you guys, for Ian, this is maybe a different question that will be for Chase, so I'll begin with Chase. What's next for this program and, and for you in this program in your mind as you look forward? Um, the next step is to, to reload, not rebuild, because uh, great programs reload. That's what we do. So we're going to definitely uh, you know, focus on the offseason. Everybody, and I mean everybody, has to get to work. Uh, there can't be no exception of, you know, well, my body hurts. Let me take two weeks off, three weeks off. You just got to push through the grind because everybody's going to end up going home on Christmas break, and it's kind of a thing of what you do behind closed doors. So we have to make sure that we got everybody on the team working while they're back home 
have communication with each other, make sure each other is safe, you know, make smart decisions. And it just it correlates to on the football field as well. So the things you do off the football field correlate to your success on it. So everybody has to stay on par. And, Ian, for you, when you look forward, do you have any ambition of trying to continue playing football? Do you want to at least give that a, a run and go through the combines that will be hosted here? Or if not, or maybe even if you do and you, you know that a, a future obviously will come after football at some point in your life, what do you want to do at this point with a Fordham degree in hand and, and five great years at, at Fordham University behind you? I'm just uh, trying to follow God's plan, man. He, uh, he he brought me here, so he'll 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 lead the rest of my life. He hasn't told you yet? No, <laughs> I'm sure he has. I just I just haven't found the answer yet. So I'm just I'm just waiting for it. Yeah, they, I think a truck just went by that said Ian go to the NFL. <laughs> I think that was a, a plan, but uh, no, Ian uh, and Chase guys, thanks so much. We've had you on a couple times this year, and and when it comes down to the to the last game of the season, wouldn't want to have anyone else on. So thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank for y'all us. too. It's, it's been a ride, man. Yes, sir. That's Ian Williams and Chase Edmonds running back and defensive back on the Fordham football team a phenomenal year for them and really can't thank them enough for all the work that they've done for this program to put this thing together and really just some great guys too more than anything and uh, well Nick this is our final chance to to speak I guess we'll be on -on one-on-one this coming week but for both of us uh, we aren't coming back next semester we we've got uh, bigger fish to fry I suppose so with that in mind uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I can start this off. The amount of effort and time that we've gotten from Andrew Briner and Joe Moorhead and uh, Joe DeBerry and, and that entire staff, Greg Marmoros and, and everybody, the players, uh, really can't be put into words, but, but it's extremely special to us to, to share this time with, with this group. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And even when we go on the road with them and, uh, you know, the the typical knock is the media guys are sort of the outsiders, but we felt like we're we're a part of this team, and, and everywhere we go, it's uh, very welcoming and comforting to know that we can talk to any of these guys, and, and they'll open up and, and give us honest answers to things. It's, it's very refreshing, and we were fortunate enough to be a part of this program for the rise uh, from from where it was to where it is now. So uh, it's a great time to be a Ram fan, and it was a great time to be announcing the football games for sure. Yeah, Nick, it's it's been real. It's been fun. Some would argue it's been real fun. Thanks for uh, hanging around, and, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I, I couldn't imagine the ride with anyone else. Yeah, it's been, it's been great, and uh, likewise, Mike. All right, well, that should do it for this week's final edition of Monday Night Quarterback for the 2014 season. Thanks to head coach Joe Moorhead, linebackers coach and defensive coordinator John Hooley, defensive back Ian Williams, and running back Chase Edmonds for joining us this week. As New Hampshire is Fordham's final game of the year, this will be our last edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Special thanks to Sports Information uh, Director Joe DeBerry, who stands right in front of us and seems very much in tune with our show right now. Uh, Also to Coach Moorhead and his staff and to the other coaches and players that have joined us throughout this season. And special thanks, of course, go out to Al Clark, the general manager here at the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza, to Greg Marmoros, our director of football operations, James Osborne and Julio Diaz for all they've done to help put all this together week after week. So until we meet again, for Nick Legerfo, supervising producer Merrill Servin, producer Sean Hayner, engineer Brendan Bowers, and the best crew in all of sports, this is Mike Watts. Have a good week, everybody. Have a good offseason, everybody. Make sure you follow WFUVsports.org for continuing coverage. Monday Night Quarterback is a presentation of WFUV Sports. So long.